Dreamland. Namaste and Salam. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much for tuning in to another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan and I am broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast of the most Gulf Coast of Texas. It's my pride and privilege to be doing so. So let's jump right into it. Thank you all very much who have supported, who will support. Thank you in advance. You know how to do so for free by liking, sharing, 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 and subscribing to the content that I produce on the channels that I have, whatever hosts the podcast, whatever you prefer, uh, definitely search out the Beyond Top Secret Text and say you like using iHeartRadio, I'm on there. Say you like using Spotify, I'm on there. Say you like, uh, or your friend is using uh, Podbay, you know, show him where I'm at and everything. Post it, share it, follow it, rate it, five stars on each side's Apple or, or Apple, um, Apple Podcasts is uh, great for that. A lot, lot of reviews on that. Uh, definitely have a campaign of basically bad mouthing me, trash talking, shit posting, trolling. You know how it goes. And it's like a lot of one stars and everything, but I eat that up. And by the end of the year, I will be reading again all the reviews just as kind of like a celebration of everyone who does leave a five star or less, you know, like uh, whatever your review is, it will be read out into the greater void of the internet and everything. So definitely if you want yours to be there, uh, that's another incentive to do so. These are the free options. Remember, free. It doesn't cost you anything but a little bit of time to repost my episode this episode for example on your twitter or on your facebook or on for uh 4chan or on fate you know whatever you guys got and i'm i'm actually blocked from a lot of things like i'm blocked from tiktok i can't i can't even set up a new tiktok account or access the old ones or anything like that um absolutely blocked from uh, posting videos etc then there's uh, Facebook, absolutely blocked by Facebook, absolutely uh, shadow banned by Instagram, uh, absolutely shadow banned by Twitter, X, uh, whatever you want to call it, absolutely uh, been barred from YouTube, uh, got my channel not only demonetized but deplatformed. All the videos were erased, over 600 videos completely erased by YouTube, lost, but not lost. Uh, now they're on Odyssey, so go check that out there. Uh, so, you know, do me a favor, repost these, somehow, like, you know, post this audio up on YouTube, etc., and get that up there. Uh, I depend on you guys, this is a total grassroots effort, you know, I can only do so much every single day, there's only 24 hours in a day for me to work, um, all the, I can use all hands to help me out by posting this stuff, at the very least, it just gets it out in front of the maximum amount of people's eyes, recommend me to YouTube, uh, recommend me to podcasts uh, that are featured on um, like YouTube, etc., or whatever. Uh, recommend me to your YouTuber favorites, etc., uh, your podcast favorites, so I could maybe be a guest on there, uh, get me in front of more audience so that the channel itself can grow and I can thrive and succeed as an independent citizen journalist. We're already going through the roof when it comes to expectations. We've surpassed every single goal we've ever set for ourselves since the beginning of this podcast, last three years going full time. I know a lot of you have followed me from the beginning of that journey. Those who haven't, feel free to go through the archives and check out the old episodes there. 
uh, for the month of October. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but for the month of October, uh, I will be posting old episodes. I will be posting about, I want to, I want to get to about a hundred old episodes, you know, several, uh, at a time and just select, re revisit, update the audio, you know, and then, then publish it again. And, um, or republish it so that you guys can have it fresh. It can be in front of your, for your mind's eye. I know if it's, I know how today is. If it's not immediately blaring at you, you get so distracted. You know, you got so many things on your to watch list, to listen to list, etc. There's hundreds of episodes that are always coming out every day for all these fantastic podcasts and everything. But this is a way for basically me to say, hey, I know you might not, might not have heard these. But these are great. These are classics. These are what Beyond Top Secret Texans about. And if you really are interested in this podcast, you know you should check out this pod, these episodes. So I'll be going through selecting uh, choice ones, classic episodes from the archives list, and republishing them for your enjoyment, for free, completely for free. They're not they're not going to be locked or anything like that. They're completely for free. And then of course. Um, you know, thank you for those who have supported me monetarily by donating a dollar or two, uh, five, you know, ten, whatever you guys got through Cash App. Thank you all very much. If it's burning a hole in your pocket and you'd want to support citizen journalism because I don't have a Patreon. I was been barred from Patreon. Kicked off a Patreon twice. Um, and now I can't even access the site. And so it's like, yeah, thank you very much for donating that dollar, that $5, that $10. Thank you very much for, for basically buying me uh, a large pizza or whatever from Domino's or uh, a movie ticket or maybe just a soda or whatever, a coffee. You know, I sincerely appreciate it. You know, and cheers back at you. Thank you very much. You know who you are. The people who donate through Cash App, you know who they are. Thank you all very much, all of you. So thank you all very much. Uh, let's get up into it. You know, um, we're going to be talking about Texit today. We're going to be talking about Texit and independence movements at large and a, and a greater concept of it and why Texit is not only inevitable, but absolutely justifiable and, and morally correct to pursue. For those who don't know, Texit is like Brexit. Get it? Texas National Nationalist Movement, the TNM, basically is the official movement behind the slogan Texit. You can go visit their website at tnm.me, which is the Texas National Movement.me. Check out their social media groups on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, Instagram, Telegram, LinkedIn, Indeed, all that. You can donate, you can join once you feel um, if, it, if, it, if it reaches you or not. At the same time, I understand this is mostly for Texans, but in the greater sense, it's about national independence. It's about uh, cultural independence. It's about sovereignty. It's about freedom. It's about liberty. And in America, that's not the only independence movement. Of course, every state basically has an independence movement, a sovereign state movement, a sovereign citizen movement that wants to either, uh, uh, you know, gain independence from or differentiate itself, uh, you know, markedly from the United States of America at large when it comes to being a legal identity, a legal state. 
uh, maybe choosing out, choosing to opt out of paying taxes or choosing to pursue uh, rather nationalistic independent roles like in Texas setting up embassies etc around the world and operating as its own powerhouse economy a world of power uh, basically instead of just a, a state inside a greater union to actually claim nationalization efforts on our resources and on our corporate interests and establish ourselves rightfully as a nation with the fifth largest economy in the world. You know, we make more money than Russia. We make more money than Iran. And we have more natural resources than nations like Saudi Arabia. Let alone the hundreds and hundreds of nations that are, by all accounts, lesser than in our wealth, our power, our population, our uh, potential that have already legally declared independence and either won it through war, hard-fought hard battles, uh, decades-long campaigns, uh, wars of liberation against colonialists, or settled it and was universally recognized by the UN, or by regional powers through convincing political arguments, suing for peace, suing for independence, and pursuing it through the courts. Uh, like Canada. That's how Canada, quote-unquote, got its independence, is by literally asking very, very nicely. And which we hope to be the ultimate end for the Texas situation. Litigating so well and articulating our point in courts of law, international law, that we would have to be universally recognized as being a distinct and independent nation. Capable of sovereignty, capable of self-destiny. And absolutely able to apply for a national divorce from an otherwise corrupt and failing United States of corporation be treated as an actual real nation of free peoples rather than as a element or a division inside a greater company charter This applies in spirit to all other nations who have gained independence and who seek to gain independence. For in the 21st century, I believe that independence movements will increase and that the number will be greater by the mid-21st century than in the mid-20th century in terms of relevant independence movements with military backing, with uh, political support, with uh, international presences uh, for populations, local populations, as well as international uh, refugee groups, um, than was in the 20th century, than was in the 1950s. Just like how they had so many African um, independence movements being supported either by the Soviet Union or by the United States CIA efforts 
to uh, destabilize the colonial powers of France and Britain in uh, the African nations, or just like how there was independence movements throughout Asia to, to finally reject colonialism, Western colonialism, from the Far East, like in Vietnam, you're going to see this play out on even more uh, detailed lines, specific lines of national aboriginal uh, minorities, like in the Philippines, where the wars will be between Muslim populations and Christian populations, or state populations. Uh, then you'd have, uh, say, Myanmar with the Myanmar refugees, who number in the millions, being able to support guerrilla movements and uh, fight against the military junta that is pursuing them in this, this nation of Myanmar. Um, then you have, for example, the various uh, civil wars and independence movements in South America between the aboriginal populations of the jungles and the urban populations of the, the cities, say, like in Colombia or in uh, Venezuela. Then, of course, you have internally, say, in the United States, uh, possible ethnic lines or ethno-states seeking to emerge. Uh, basically the same as the South American conflicts based on Aboriginal ethnicities, but this time being in um, inverse because of the, the amount of, I guess you would call it national support or... or within the divisions of a greater union. For example, they created a pac Northwest ethno-state based on white supremacy called Cascadia, which is a planned and likely scenario in the future for it to seriously get started as part of separatism, say in Portland or in the lower Washington area, uh, Portland, Oregon, or Seattle. You would see these breakaway groups moving into the forests, um, whether or not they are accepted universally or not, and forming these enclaves, forming these armed movements, and considering themselves a discriminated against minority group, or a, you know, however they are seen nationally, the demographics nationally, inside these small enclaves, they will be seen as themselves the same liberationist front groups. And because the future, being what it is, with say, the advent of 3D printers, the advent of uh, AI, the advent of cellular phones and communications, let alone the, the handheld supercomputers that we take for granted, known as smart devices, etc., that there will definitely be a cyber war element to this, because not only are they people who are separatists seeking independence from the federal government, the big cities and what they call, you know, the, the racial, you know, the racial issues or whatever um, of the big cities and, and like, you know, too many black people, too many refugees, too many immigrants or whatever. Um, they're also able to do something much more than just plan mass shootings or bombings or terror campaigns. They're able to commit cyber war. They're able to commit mass propaganda efforts. They're able to recruit. They're able to get funding internationally just by joining groups on telegram 
not having to actually send representatives through customs and exchange like they make they render the old espionage counter espionage worlds uh the ira used to have to participate in etc pointless and moot because no longer do they have to say arrange weapon shipments to be to be delivered into these far off places by smugglers uh, rendering both vulnerable to capture or, you know, termination by by being intercepted by the federal forces, like in most revolutions or most civil wars, they can 3D print small arms. They can look up the recipes and the, 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 the actual, like, download files and stuff to create uh, 3D printed mortar shells, you know, and, and or, or, uh, the recipes on how to for, uh, create syntax. And, and Simtex and like um, explosive materials, plastic explosive. And they don't really have to outsource because America has so much natural wealth. As well as saying South America just being so inundated with members of FARC, uh, rebel groups, cartels, etc. That the ideas of these jungle peasant fighting armies being basically people with very primitive technology and no, no education like they were in the 20th century, um, that's a moot point. That's a moot point. You're dealing with someone who's probably educated themselves via YouTube and Wikipedia to an extent that they are as intelligent and as educated about legal matters, maybe about national independence, etc. And they are as educated as anyone in the West, anyone in the city, and let alone are way more motivated because they see independence as providing existential heroism in a world more and more corrupted by this control of big money that is inaccessible by the lower class, by the working class, and by the people. Uh, regardless if it's a socialist, communist, Maoist revolution or an independence movement, are like Texas, which would be pure capitalism, almost less as fair capitalism, but uh, strictly based on a nationalization process to try to uh, retain more rights on its own land and natural re uh, shipping and everything so that they can gain more of a profit and actually <clears throat> control more of its own money. Right? That's not like it. They can be capitalist independent movements as well. It doesn't always have to be these radical. Uh, somewhat socially antisocial, um, politically incorrect, you know, ideas. All independence movement, movements are villainized by the nations that they are fighting, by the peoples that they're seeking to liberate themselves from, and all liberation movements are considered almost holy by the peoples who are freed and liberated by them. Just like how in America we painted the Viet Cong as absolutely evil. We painted the communist Vietnamese as absolutely fucking heartless, evil sons of bitches. But in reality, they were women and children and young men seeking to fight for an ideal that they had never in their lives experienced. A Vietnam free of Western... Anglo, European, or French dominance.
And that's just as simple as that fucking gets. Because no matter what the he said, she said, finger pointing, right and wrong, what matters is if the conditions are there to succeed, or first, if the conditions are there to start in the first place, if the conditions are there to succeed, and if the will of the people seeks independence, then it will happen, no matter what culture or uh, tradition or lifestyle they are seeking. Where there is a dream or where there is a will, there is no dream. You know who said that? Sharom from Israel when they were creating the Israel state. Which before it happened, people thought was actually a fantastic, uh, racially motivated uh, fantasy. It was a it was a radical, uh, almost zealous extremist, ra- racially motivated fantasy to create the nation of Israel, and they succeeded. And not only that, but internationally, it has made a lot of impact because, you know, as an understatement. So any one of these independence movements could easily be as impactful in the future and be as controlled in this greater sense of the New World Order type situation as anyone else. Remember, you're, you're playing chess with the pieces that are on the board. You have to also know that new pieces are added every turn and that where these pieces are it could easily change the entire dynamic and balance as well as the definition of what victory is in this game so we'll read the text declaration basically to answer the question can Texas legally withdraw from the union and then we'll work through a whole list of national independence movements and wars of independence that have occurred throughout modern history so that you can see that Texas is absolutely capable and almost guaranteed to attain independence either through by peaceful legal means hopefully by all by all providence we can achieve legal peaceful independence or this through however long of a military campaign that is required the people to fight and prevail through for surely it would be in keeping with the historic order that blood is liberty's natural manure Can Texas legally withdraw from the Union? Those opposed to Texas becoming an independent nation love to reach into their bag of misinformation and claim that it's illegal for Texas or any state to leave the Union. It's time to set the record straight on Texas and show them to be either misinformed or liars of the highest order. The following is by Daniel Miller. 
A common accusation by those opposed to Texas is that the act of leaving the Union is illegal. Let's be clear. An accusation of the commission of an illegal act implies that those committed it are criminals guilty of a criminal act. Therefore, it is not a light accusation. When pressed, however, no one seems to be able to point to a specific law that forbids it. Scouring the federal statutes produces no joy for the accuser as there is no law that explicitly forbids any state from asserting its independence. Given the passion with which its accusations is leveled, it is not found in federal law. Then surely it must exist in Texas statute. After all, the state of Nevada included one of the most strongly worded prohibitions on succession in its state constitution. But the paramount allegiance of every citizen is due to the federal government and the exercise of all its constitutional powers as the same have been or may be defined by the Supreme Court of the United States, and no power exists in the people or this or any other state of the federal union to dissolve their connection therewith or perform any act tending to impair, subvert, or resist the supreme authority of the government of the United States. However, there is no corresponding constitutional or statutory prohibition in Texas law either. It is a fundamental principle of American jurisprudence that something is illegal only if there is a law forbidding it. This is known as the legality principle, expressed in Latin as nullum crimen sin lege, nulla pona sin lege, meaning no crime without law, no punishment without law. Paul H. Robinson, one of the world's leading criminals law scholars, described its modern application in 2005. Quote, in its modern form, it means that criminal liability and punishment can be based only upon a prior legislative enactment of a prohibition that is expressed with adequate precision and clarity. The principle is not a legal rule, but rather a legal concept embodied in a series of legal doctrines. If no law specifically prohibits a state from leaving the Union, then there must be some other law which, in their minds, applies in this instance. When pressured further, the accusation shifts to that of treason. And Texas is not treason. The term treason has become an increasingly popular charge in the divisive political climate. While Texas advocates are the recipients of it at a higher than average rate, it has become far more common in federal partisan wrangling. Obama was accused of treason over the Iran nuclear deal, and Trump has been accused of treason for his alleged ties to the Russian government. However, those who seem to be quickest to use the term seem the most clueless to its meaning. Drawing from an English statute from 1351 that was created to limit the scope of treason, the framers of the United States of the Constitution included a specific definition of Article 3, Section 3, which stated that treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them are in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. Recognizing that accusations of treason were often the tool of tyrants, James Madison explained the necessity to clearly define it in Federalist 43. As treason may be committed against the United States, the authority of the United States ought to be enabled to punish it, as the new tangled and artificial treason have been the great engines by which violent factions, the natural offspring of free governments, have usually wrecked their alter alternate malignity on each other. The convention has, with great judgment, opposed a barrier to this peculiar danger by inserting a constitutional definition of the crime. Treason is a criminal act committed by an individual, not a political party, and therefore cannot be committed by a state. To continue to level the charge of treason, one must believe that the entirety of the population of Texas would vote in support of Texas and be individually guilty of treason. 
This, however, is completely ignoring the constitutional definition of treason. Such a vote is not levying war against the United States unless one considers casting a ballot as an act of war. Nor is it adhering to or giving aid and comfort to an enemy of the United States. If so, who would that enemy be? An enemy of the United States is someone who has been declared as such by the United States Congress, generally through a formal declaration of war. In this instance, North Korea may perhaps fit the bill, since the Korean War was never formally concluded. According to Carlton F. W. Lawson, a professor of law at the University of California at Davis, certain non-state actors can also count as enemies, and terrorist groups such as Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State probably fit this definition. Adhering to the enemy would mean that voting for Texas was, in fact, joining North Korea in the Islamic State. Given aid and comfort would mean that voting for Texas was, in fact, providing concrete and material support to the same, and neither of these apply. When confronted with the lack of basis for the charge of treason, the final charge is that of attempting to overthrow the government. In fairness, there is a federal statute in Title 18 of the U.S. Code that allows that uh, outlaws attempts to do that very thing. In its entirety, it reads... Whoever knowingly or willfully advocates, abets, advises, or teaches the duty, necessity, desirability, or propriety of overthrowing or destroying the government of the United States or the government of the state, any state, territory, district, or possession thereof, or the government of any political subdivision therein by force or violence, or by the assassination of any officer of any such government, or... Whoever with intent to cause the overthrow of destruction of any such government prints, publishes, edits, issues, circulates, sells, distributes, or publicly displays any written or printed matter advocating, advising, or teaching the duty, necessity, desirability, and propriety of overthrowing or destroying any government of the United States by force or violence, or attempts to do so, or whoever organizes or helps the attempts to organize any society, group, or assembly of persons who teach, advocate, and encourage the overthrow or destruction of any such government by force or violence, or becomes a member or, or affiliates with any such group, society, or assembly of persons known the purposes thereof shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both and shall be ineligible for employment by the United States or any department or agency thereof for the five years next following this conviction. The operative words in the statute are force or violence, and given that a Texit initiated by a legal process is ratified by a vote of the people of Texas and secured by a declaration of the reclamation of the right of self-determination, as neither force nor violence, this accusation falls as well to deaf ears. Texit is not unconstitutional. Once the argument of illegality lies in ruins, the fallback position is allowedly declared that it is unconstitutional for a state to leave the Union. However, the accusations of unconstitutionality shares a fundamental and fatal flaw with the accusations of illegality. There is not a single clause in the Constitution of the United States that forbids Texas or any other state for that matter from leaving the Union. In this case, the constitutional silence is extremely important. The Constitution of the United States, in fact, actually defines the specific acts states are forbidden from committing in Article 1, Section 10. No state shall enter, enter, enter any treaty, alliance, or confederation that grant letters of marque or reprisal, coin money, emit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts, pass any bill of attainder ex post facto law, our law impairing the obligation of contracts or grants any title of nobility. 
No state shall, without the consent of the Congress, lay any imposts or duties or imports or exports except what may be absolutely necessary for executing its inspection laws. And the net produce of all duties and imposts laid by any state on imports or exports shall by the use of the Treasury of the United States. And all such laws shall be subject to the revision and control over Congress. No state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops, or ships of war in time of peace, enter into any agreement or compact with another state, or with a foreign power, or engage in war unless actually invaded, or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. Nowhere in the remainder of the Constitution and the state issue of the state leaving the Union explicitly forbidden nor is power ceded to the federal government to prohibit one from doing so. In this silence, the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution rings loudly. The power is not delegate to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited to it by the states or reserved to the states respectively or to the people alone. That's definite constitutional silence coupled with the definitive reservation of power by the states leaves the decision to the people of state and to those people alone. The Supreme Court and Texas. Not so fast, says the critic. What about the Supreme Court case of Texas versus White? Didn't that say that secession was unconstitutional? The entire legal argument for the unconstitutionality of states leaving the Union rests on the Supreme Court's decision in the 1869 case of Texas versus White. However, when it comes to Texas versus White, more and more academics are adopting the stance of historian Dr. Brian McClanahan when asked the very question at an academic conference in Florida. His response was an indignant, so what? Dr. McClanahan's attitude toward Texas v. White is not based on a denial of facts. In fact, contrary to the concrete pronouncements by Texas detractors, the decision in Texas v. White has been debated and debunked extensively starting from the moment Chief Justice Salmon P. Chase issued the majority opinion. The dissenting opinion issued by Justice Robert C. Greer highlighting many of the deficiencies of the Supreme Court's ruling state that he disagreed on all points raised and decided. The assertions made by Chase were so offensive to his contemporaries that Union and Confederate sympathizers alike, both fresh from the battlefields and still harboring deep divisions, were united in their contempt and agreement of their disagreement for this ruling. Bristling at the usurpation by the judiciary of the power to determine political questions, Lyman Trumbull, a United States senator from Illinois, introduced legislation that in part read, under the Constitution, the judicial power of the United States does not embrace political power or give to judicial tribunals any authority to question the political departments of the government on political questions. There is no doubt that Chief Justice Chase, an appointee of Abraham Lincoln, used the opportunity presented by Texas v. White to stamp a retroactive seal of approval on the federal government's policies and actions during the Civil War. To do so, Chase had to rewrite history and virtually all established common law on the subject. To reinforce his belief that the United States was in a perpetual union, 
he had to assert the ludicrous argument that the United States Constitution was merely an amending document to the previous Articles of Confederation, citing the preamble to the Constitution. He then had to ignore that it only took nine states of the original 13 to ratify the Constitution of 1787, and that had less than 13 states ratified, it would have destroyed the perpetual union allegedly created by the Articles of Confederation. To reinforce his assertion that the United States was an indestructible union composed of indestructible states, Chase had to ignore the existence of West Virginia and the agreement of the Republic of Texas upon its admission that it could divide into four additional states and that those additional states would be guaranteed admission into the Union if they so chose. To reinforce his assertion that states upon entering the Union gave up all rights of sovereignty and became incorporated in a single monolithic superstate, Chase had to ignore every reference to the states as individual political entities in the Declaration of Independence and the aforementioned Articles of Confederation, the Northwest End Ordinance, and the United States Constitution all on intent of the framers clearly expressed in the period. In his zeal to confirm the supremacy of the Union, Chase ascribed qualities to it that are usually reserved for deities. In effect, he equated the Union to God and established a quasi-religious orthodoxy that requires adherence to a doctrine that elevates the federal government to godhood. Its three branches equals the Holy Trinity and the judiciary as its holy priesthood. There is no doubt that had the states been exposed to Chase's logic during deliberations over the ratification of the Constitution, they would have soundly rejected it and likely drafted a new declaration of independence. The Supreme Court was not and never will be perfect. Some of the most heinous, morally reprehensible, logically flawed decisions have emanated from the Supreme Court. To imbue it with an infallibility to say that when it upheld slave catching or when it upheld racial segregation, it was right. Yet decisions by the court in both those instances have been overturned. Even Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. in the 1904 case of the Northern Securities Company versus the United States recognized that the court could be caught up in the politics and passions of the day and render bad decisions. Great cases like hard cases make bad law. For great cases are called great not by reason of their importance, but because of some accident of immediate overwhelming interest which appeals to the feelings and distorts the judgments. With all of its obvious flaws, some academics continue to point to Texas v. White as the silver bullet that handles all questions related to Texas separating from the Union. However, others tend to glide over it so as not to have acknowledged its most significant problems. Embracing Texas v. White requires one to believe that the last 150 years never happened. Since 1869, the world kept spinning. Generations have come and gone, and the Supreme Court has continued to issue rulings that chip away at the foundations of this Texas v. White case. As the entirety of Chase's determination is predicted on the claim that perpetual union is the more perfect union spoken of in the preamble of the Constitution, the single ruling by the court 1905 case of Jacobson's v. Massachusetts, where it is determined that this federal government can gain no powers based on the preamble, could utterly destroy Texas v. White entirely. 
The federal government's position on self-determination has evolved to the point of signing international agreements, covenants, and treaties pledging to respect the right of self-determination in other states. The same chorus of voices who declare that Texas v. White is the end-all, be-all of decisions on the matter of self-determination of the states are the same voices who declare the subsequent rulings by the Supreme Court obligate the federal government and the United States to give treaty obligations such as those dealing with self-determination the same weight as constitutional law and argue for its applications as such. Ultimately, though, any question of self-determination as political in nature it is not, and never will be, a judicial question. Perhaps recognizing this fact and hoping to avoid any serious examination of the constitutionality of the question in general, and Texas v. White specifically, will have those opposed to Texas quickly move on to their next argument, which is, the Civil War has no bearing on Texas. One Justice Antonin Scalia is often cited using the next argument, Taken from a letter written by an aspiring screenwriter, Scalia declared, If there is any constitutional issue resolved by the Civil War, it is there is no legal right to succeed. This is also a sentiment echoed by Paul Finkelman, a senior fellow in the Penn Program on Democracy, Citizenship and Constitutionalism of the University of Pennsylvania, and a scholar-in-residence at the National Constitution Center. In 2015, Column in New York Times wrote, quote, In short, nullification and succession were not new ideas in 1861. When 11 states left the Union but had been part of the warp and weft of the constitutional debate since the founding, but the Civil War ended the discussion, the question of the constitutionality of nullification or succession was permanently settled by the legal case of Lee v. Grant decided at a Appomattox courthouse on April 1865. This refrain is echoed more often than any other and is where fear truly enters in the strategy of Project Fear. It is a quick retort that is meant to stifle all further debate on the issue through intimidation. Let's be honest. The assertions of the illegality and constitutionality of states leaving the Union and that Civil War settled that issue, although often linked, are truly two separate and distinct arguments. The former deals with a point of law that can be discussed, debated, and a definitive conclusion reached. The latter is a thinly veiled threat of violence, often used as a tactic by bullies, abusers of women and children, and tin-pot dictators propping up tyrannical regimes in the third world. However, this argument also poses a significant legal, political, and moral problem for the United States and the world at large. If the military conquest of the states that succeeded in the 1860s was the point of which the question of leaving the Union was settled, does this mean that all political questions, especially those related to self-determination or independence, are deemed as perpetually solved by the use of force? In a larger geopolitical sense, think about that principle what it played out in the 20th century when Germany invaded Poland. Touching off the Second World War, how much different would that be if the response from the United States was, I guess that settles that, Poland's now Germany. Or Japan's successful invasion of the Philippines. Was MacArthur's response, uh, not I shall return? It wasn't. It is now settled that the Philippines are now an indivisible and inseparable part of the Empire of Japan. And it is ethically wrong and morally dubious 
to want to free the Philippines from the Empire of Japan. Clearly the war has settled the issue of whether or not the Filipinos are free. They are not. Japan has conquered them. Advocates of this line of thinking are missing the forest for the trees. If the Civil War truly did settle this issue, then no one would even be discussing it. It would be a fact. Established politicians, academia, and the media throw around the word democracy as though everyone agrees that the Civil War settled this issue and that anyone who disagrees is un-American. Take, for instance, Harvey Tucker, political science professor at Texas A&M, whose position on the matter has been parroted by other professors and regurgitated by a lazy media. According to Tucker, among scholars, the consensus is that the Civil War settled all these issues. Texas does not have a legal right to succeed. Tucker at the, and those like him ignore the ongoing scholarships on the issues and instead opt for a soundbite followed by a definitive declaration. The media largely ignores the numerous academic conferences held over the last 20 years dealing with the rights of succession, the impact of international law on the right of sovereign self-determinations of peoples and cultures, and the constitutional history of succession many of them taking place in the United States with notable U.S. scholars actually arguing against liberty and freedom. If the Civil War definitively and decisively settled the issue of separation from the Union, apparently the larger academic community and international community didn't get the memo. The Texas question, though, is not that one is left solely to academics in their discussion of political and legal theory. What matters most on this political question is not whether the Civil War settled it, but whether the people of Texas believe that a question was settled at all and that they never have been properly asked themselves. The growth of support for Texas clearly shows that fewer and fewer Texans consider the results of the Civil War to be the end final answer to the independence question. And that is basically the the ethical and moral uh, foundation for whether or not it is legal for Texas to gain its independence, which it absolutely is. And now we'll be talking about the global issue with independence because while this is happening in the United States this is only because it has happened internationally over the last 100 years and 200 years at such a, a fever pitch at such a rising rate of momentum that since the US Civil War the political fashion is for peoples to seek cultural autonomy against colonial foreign invaders, both politically and physically foreign invaders, and to gain independence either through acts of war or through uh, political means as the ethically correct and liberal future reality of the world. 
No longer are conservative aristocracies ruling based on previous wars, but rather people are seeking independence and refusing to submit globally, further atomizing themselves into more segregated and and otherwise uh, completely, you know, uh, singular issue states, either of ethnic or cultural or religious independence. As previously mentioned, I said a statement of the Muslim Filipinos uh, seeking independence in the lower territories of, like, the Minocas, you know, the Minoka Islands in the Philippines, against the state and the, the officially sponsored uh, Catholics. You know, on ethical lines, on what they think is socially acceptable, and the corruption of the government and the, the discrimination they feel is given to them both as islanders, you know, from the big city, uh, for various reasons and factors. But basically, these further atomizing stuff to individual tribes in Africa seeking independence uh, and wars of independence, you know, that are basically unperceptible on issues that are unperceptible. Think of the Houthi Tutsi violence. The the Houthis uh, the the Hito the Houthis and the uh, Tutsis, and the violence that was committed in Rwanda, the 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 hundreds of thousands of people who were killed and slaughtered during massive tribal unrest and violence in the 90s in Hotel Rwanda, uh, based on uh, almost unperceivable tribal differences and histories that were completely artificially created by the Dutch, by Dutch colonists. And it really means with or without cows. These things have massive impacts to life and then to the ideas of liberty in the future. What starts as a small spark creates a massive fire. And I'll be reading lists of the wars of wars of independence. And the timeline of national independence. And many of these are the same. But there are, surprisingly, variations on both these lists. So I'll be reading them both. Okay, so these are the independence movements that occurred in the 20th century into the 21st century. I want to keep it modern. I want to keep it really modern. Not like in the 1800s when it's the Industrial Revolution and they're still talking about neoliberal slash conservative things and those monarchies and bullshit like that. And everyone knows about the American Revolution. But I think that's like pretty given that it's a king. You know, you're, you're, you're having your revolution, your independence from a king across an ocean during a time when uh, it took weeks to even like communicate uh, across those oceans and stuff. Like the idea of representation and culture, yes. These are, these are modern day, 20th century. They had TV, they had radios, they had airplanes, they had uh, modern technology. And from 1945 and onward, they had nuclear deterrence, they had the UN, they had the Soviet Union, they had the United States. They had this concept of modern globalism. So getting independence for these people in their societies and their cultures was comparable to our movement now currently 
to gain independence regardless of whether it's from independence from the United States to independence from France, independence from, um, you know, Russia, whatever. But now we're going to get into it. Independence movements. It's a timeline of national independence movements. Twentieth century in nineteen seventeen we start with Finland, the Crimean People's Republic, the Idol Ural State, and the Alash Autonomy, the predecessor to Kazakhstan, declaring independence from Russia all in nineteen seventeen. The Finland declaring its independence recognized in 1918. The Crimean People's Republic was crushed by the Bolsheviks in less than a month. The Volga Tartars declared the independence of the Idol Ural State, with other, including Volga Germans and Bashkars, joining them. And that republic was crushed by the Russian Soviet Bolsheviks a few months later by military force. And the Kazakhs declared the independence of the Alash Autonomy, a predecessor to Kazakhstan. This lasts less for three years before being defeated again by the Russian military, Russian Soviet Bolsheviks. In 1918, a year later, we have the Second Polish Republic, establishing a former Austro Hungarian controlled Poland shortly after the end of World War I. Austria-Hungary is disintegrated as a country in 1918 by the League of Nations, and in 1919, the Weimar Republic, Germany recognizes Poland via the Treaty of Versailles as an independent country. Territories from the German Empire, Russian Empire, succeeded by the Soviet Russia and the Soviet Ukraine, are absorbed by Poland to make its new borders. The nation of Poland includes territories of Austria-Hungary, the German Empire, Russian Empire, and the Soviet Ukrainian state. Also declaring independence from Russia in 1918 were the Moldovian Democratic Republicans. The Bessarabi government declares itself autonomous in 1917 and then is independent in 1918. Afterwards, it unites with Romania. The people of the Transcaucasus, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Georgia, as the Transcaucasian Democratic Federal Republic, a federation of present-day Azerbaijan, Georgian, and Armenians, declares independence from the former Russian Empire. The Tsarist Empire collapsed in 1917. However, the federation collapses after roughly one month breaking apart into the Azerbaijani Democratic Republic, the Democratic Republic of Georgia, and the First Republic of Armenia. All three states are conquered by the Soviet Union's Red Army in 1920-1921. Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania also declared independence from Russia in 1918. Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania declared independence in 1918. All three states initially secured their independence by 1920 and remain as independent countries for a significant length of time. 
However, in 1940, all three are invaded and annexed by the Soviet Union in 1940. The three states remain de facto parts of the Soviet Union from 1940 to 1991 and 1992. But the Western Bloc generally uh, continues to recognize them de jure as independent nations throughout the entire period. The de facto independence of the three Baltic states is restored in 1991 to 1992 with the collapse of the Soviet Union officially. Ukrainian People's Republic also declared independence in 1918 from Russia. The Ukrainian People's Republic declares independence in January 1918 and is recognized by several states, including the Bolshevik Russia and the Treaty of Brest-Levotsk. It loses an international recognition after the Paris Peace Conference, and it loses its territory to the Russian-created Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republics, which itself formally subordinated to Russia by the formation of the Soviet Union in 1922. Czechoslovakia with its states of Bohemia, Moravia, and sections of Silesia, Galicia, and Hungary, declare their independence as Czechoslovakia. Recognized in the Treaty of Trianon in 1920, Slovakia independence from 1939 to 1945, Carpathian, Ruthenian independence in 1939, eventually annexed to Ukraine, succession of Slovakia in 1993. This was declared against the Austria-Hungary Empire. State of Slovenis, Croats, and Serbs. Croatia, Slovenia, and Dalmatia declare their independence as the state of the Slovenias, Croats, and the Serbs, and swiftly unite with Serbia as the kingdom of Serbs, Croats, and Slovens, which later became Yugoslavia. And the Ukraine. The Western Ukrainian People's Republic, known as the ZUNR, declared independence on November 1st, 1918, symbolically united with the Ukrainian People's Republic on January 22nd, 1919. It allied with Poland in 1920, the Treaty of Warsaw, and it absorbed into the 1921 Peace of Riga. Iceland declared its independence from Denmark in 1918. After the signing of the Danish-Icelandic Act of Union, Iceland becomes a sovereign state in the personal union with Denmark. Afghanistan declared its independence from the United Kingdom in 1919. Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, and Palestine today with Israel, or today in the areas known as Israel, uh, separated from the Ottoman Empire in 1920 in the Sam Remo Conference. They established the League of Nations mandates from Ottoman, Mesopotamia, and Syria. The 1920 Iraq Revolt prevents the mandate of the Mesopotamia from being enacted and was replaced with the Anglo-Iraqi Treaty in 1922. In 1926, Greater Lebanon became the Lebanese Republic. Nineteen twenty-one, China and Mongolia. Mongolia's uh, communist revolutionaries, with the help of the Red Army, expelled the Chinese governing presence from Outer Mongolia. Mongolia was recognized by the United Nations in nineteen sixty-one. The Irish Free State declared independence as the Republic of Ireland from the United Kingdom in nineteen twenty-two. The Irish Republic is granted independence and statehood while remaining apart from the Commonwealth, being renamed the Irish Free State, while the partition of the island would create two entities, with Northern Ireland remaining in the United Kingdom. The monarch of the United Kingdom would remain the head of state until 1949. Egypt 
declared independence from the United Kingdom in 1922 as well. Egypt was unilaterally granted independence by the United Kingdom. However, four matters, imperial communications, defense, the protection of foreign interests and minorities, as well as Sudan, remained absolutely reserved to the discretion of the British government, which greatly restricts the full exercise of Egyptian sovereignty. The Chinese Soviet Republic declared independence from China. The Chinese Communists, led by Mao Zedong, established the Chinese Soviet Republic in Ruzhin in 1931. The regime collapsed in 1934 by the start of the Long March before the entity ceased to exist entirely in 1937. Iraq declared independence from the United Kingdom in 1932. Although England still considered, or the United Kingdom still stationed troops and influenced the government until 1958. Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia declare independence from France in 1940. After the fall of France, the new French state de facto cedes control of French Indochina to Japan, weakening the colonial system that would make it difficult for France to control their colony once it's returned to them. Eritrea, Somalia, and Ethiopia declare independence from Italy in 1941. The Tigray province, known as Italian Somaliland and Ethiopia, were taken by the Allies after an easy occupation of Ethiopia since 1935 to 1936. Ethiopia began to return to sovereignship while the Ogden Desert, disputed by Somalia, remained under British military control until 1948. Lebanon declares its freedom from France in 1953 or 1943. Lebanon declares independence, effectively ending the French mandate. Iceland declares independence from Denmark once again in 1944. Iceland formally becomes a republic, ending the personal union between Denmark and Iceland politically. Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia. Korea, both North and South, Taiwan, and China all declare independence from the Empire of Japan. This is, of course, the end of World War II. With Indonesia declaring not only independence from the Empire of Japan, but also officially from the Netherlands in the same year. This is like after four years of armed struggle against the, uh, the Dutch, the Indonesians actually recognized as independent by the UN at 1949. The Philippines declares independence from the United States of America in 1946. Jordan declares independence from the United Kingdom in 1946. Syria declares independence from France in 1946. India and Pakistan follow with the declarations of independence from the United Kingdom in 1947. 
Myanmar, Sri Lanka, <clears throat> and Israel both are granted independence by the United Kingdom in 1948. The United States of Indonesia is formed against the Dutch East Indies, which is 1949, recognized by the UN. Libya declares its freedom from France and the United Kingdom. Both British-controlled Tripolitania and French-controlled Fezzan unify with the Emirate of Saranaco to form the Kingdom of Libya. 1951. Cambodia and Laos declare their independence from France in 1953. With Vietnam declaring independence from France in 1954. Oh, sorry, with France recognizing Vietnam's independence in 1954 after their declaration in 1949, following a severe military defeat. The Sudan declared independence in 1956 from the United Kingdom and Egypt. Tunisia declaring independence from France that same year. Morocco, France, and Spain with the same situation. Morocco declaring independence from France and Spain. Ghana and Malaysia would declare independence from the United Kingdom in 1957. Guinea it, from France in 1958. That same year, 1958, would also see Cyprus, Nigeria, Somalia, the Ivory Coast, Benin, Mauritania, Niger, Burkina Faso, Mali, the Federation, and Mali, Senegal, also declaring independence from the United Kingdom. Sorry, sorry, I read that one wrong. Sorry, I read that wrong. Cyprus, Nigeria, Somalia, and Somaliland will declare their independence from the United Kingdom in 1960. With that same year being the Ivory Coast, Benin, Mauritania, Niger, Bakuni Faso, Mali, Federation, Mali, and Senegal. Chad, Central African Republic, the Republic of Congo, Gabon, Cameroon, Togo, and Madagascar all declaring independence from France. And the Democratic Republic of the Congo declaring independence from Belgium, all within 1960. 1960, the year of massive African independence with Nigeria, Somaliland, Ivory Coast, Benin, Mauritania, Niger, Burkina Faso, Mali Federation, Senegal, Chad, Central Africa, Republic of Congo, Gabon, Cameroon, Togo, Madagascar, and the Democratic Republic of the Congo all declaring independence from their European colonial masters, uh, the United Kingdom, French, or Belgium. Nineteen sixty-one, Tanzania, Sierra Leone, Kuwait, and British Cameroon would also declare independence from the United Kingdom. 
Uganda, Jamaica, Trinidad, and Tobago in 1962 would follow with declarations against the United Kingdom as well. Algeria would join the independence movements against France in 1962, Rwanda and Burundi against Belgium, and Samoa against New Zealand. The United Kingdom would lose in 1963 Kenya, Zanzibar, Tanzania, Sharaka, Malaysia, North Borneo, and Singapore to independence movements and popular uprisings. In 1964, Zambia, Malawi, Malta, Romania declare, oh, sorry, Malta declared their independence against the United Kingdoms. And Romania declared its independence from the Soviet Union. Rhodesia, the Gambia, and the Maldives all declared independence from the UK in 1965. Barbados, Guyana, Botswana and Lesotho all declared independence from the United Kingdom in 1966. South Yemen declared its independence from the United Kingdom in 1967. The Mauritius, Swaziland, Equatorial Guinea, all declared their independence in 1968. With Nauru declaring its independence from Australia in 1960 as well. With Australia relinquishing, relinquishing a UN trusteeship against the islands. Oman declares independence from the United Kingdom in 1970. In 1971, Fiji, Tonga, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and Qatar follow with independence movements against the UK as well. Bangladesh declares its independence from Pakistan. And after the Liberation War, gains independent sovereign and sovereignship in 1971. The Bahamas declare independence from the United Kingdom in 1973 and are granted it. Guinea Basu are declare independence from Portugal, but have to suffer a decade of guerrilla war to be officially recognized as independent from Portuguese Guyana. This was known as the Carnation Revolution. Grenada also asked the United Kingdom for independence in 1974. In 1975, Camaros declares independence from France. Angola, Mozambique, Cape Verde, Sao Tome, and Principe, as well as East Timor, declare independence from Portugal after the Carnation Revolution being inspired and going on to fight against colonial rule in Angola, Mozambique, Cape Verde, Sautama Principe. And East Timor eventually falling to Indonesia. 
after declaring its independence from Portugal. Suriname gains independence from the Netherlands. Papua New Guinea is released from Australian trusteeship and given cultural independence by Australia. And Spain relinquishes control over the Western Saharan Desert, as known as the Arab Democratic Republic of the Sahara. In 1976, the United Kingdom gives up the Seychelles. 1977, Djibouti sues for peace for France. Dominica, the Solomon Islands, Tavula, all gained independence from the United Kingdom in 1978. Kiribati, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, St. Lucia, all gained independence from the United Kingdom in 1979. Zimbabwe, Vanatutu, all gained independence from the United Kingdom in 1980. Belize, Antigua and Barbuda, 1981, gained independence from the United Kingdom. St. Kitts and the Nevis Islands. Gain independence from the United Kingdom in 1983. Brunel gains independence from the Brunei Sultanate to the United Kingdom, 1984. Namibia gains independence from South Africa, 1990. Lithuania gains independence from the Soviet Union, 1990. And the Marshall Islands and Micronesia gain independence from the United States and the Empire of Japan, 1990. 1991, the Soviet Union is dissolved, making Estonia, Georgia, Latvia, Belarus, Ukraine, Moldova, Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Armenia, Turkmenistan, Russian Federation, Kazakhstan, Slovenia, Croatia, Yugoslavia, Macedonia, and the Republic of the Serbian Krajny, all independent nations. With Yugoslavia disintegrating later as a nation itself. But still, 1991, very modern that all these nations would have to redraw their borders and basically establish themselves despite whatever economic or military circumstance they were under as independent nations based on their group languages, cultural identities, and need to be independent. Then in the post-Cold War era, we have Bosnia and Herzegovina, the Federal Republic of the Yugoslavia, declaring itself independent from Yugoslavia. Causing the Yugoslav Wars, 1992. Eritrea declares independence from Ethiopia. This begins a 30-year war. The 30-year war between Eritrea and the Federation of Ethiopia. Palau. Declares its independence from the United States in 1994. And the Palestinian National Authority declares its independence from Israel, the United Kingdom, Jordan, and Egypt in 1994. As the self-declared state of Palestine. East Timor declares independence from Indonesia, Portugal, the United Nations. Serbia, Montenegro in 2006 declares its independence from Yugoslavia, Serbia, and Montenegro. 
Kosovo in 2008 declares its independence from Serbia and the United Nations. South Sudan in 2011 declares its independence from the nation of Sudan. And the Donetsk People's Republic, the Luhansk People's Republic, declare their independence from the nation of the Ukraine in 2014. They remained universally unrecognized until February 2022 when Russia recognized the DPR and LPR officially and launched a full-scale invasion of the Ukraine three days later, annexing the DPR and LPR into the Russian Federation in September of 2022. And while a number of these movements were peaceful, many of them do end up in very bloody, intense, brutal wars where one nation is seeking to control and dominate with force the other despite ethical or legal or constitutional moral politically scientific and correct viewpoints or philosophies regarding independence and the righthoods of people to seek self-governance. These wars prove that the entire concept of controlling a state or a peoples as a state within a larger empire or federation, within any kind of larger political system is empire. It is empire, without a doubt. It is the definition of empire. And it is doing so strictly to exploit and dominate them with a military force disguised as a political alliance or treaty or whatever. And in reality, it is an act of domination It is an act of exploitation. It is an act of military aggression and a threat of such aggression or economic aggression and the threat of such aggression. Even the case of the United States declaring that it will pursue violence against any state that succeeds from the Union. And using the Civil War as justification for that. Just like these foreign wars occurred. So there will be maybe. Maybe. So there will be. Maybe. Not a question of. When. It's a question of if. Within the United States. But you know how the Beyond Top Secret Texan feels. And you know that. The trend of our episodes and our content is directed towards one awareness of almost inevitable splintering of the United States into a balkanization of hundreds of independent 
but nearly identical. Small factions of Americana that will eventually reintegrate into larger alliances. But will replace the current society entirely. But as it changes so radically, it eventually will return to the same position that it currently is. You'll just see the rebirth and resurrection of the United States like a phoenix from the ashes. Well, let's get into it from the 20th century. The Philippine-American War, which is a war of the independence from the Philippines against the Americans in the United States, USA. With the defeat of the Philippine insurgents, with the United States retaining control of the Philippines through force. 1916 to 1918, we have the Arab Revolt, defeat of the Arab aspirations for independence by post-World War I partition of Arab Ottoman Empire lands into protectorates controlled by the United Kingdom and France. From 1917 to 1921, we have the Ukrainian War of Independence, the independence of Ukraine from Russia, partition of Ukraine by Soviet Union and Poland, and the destruction of the Ukrainian state. 1918, we have the Finnish Civil War, independence of Finland from Russia, Empire of Russia. In 1918 to 1920, we have the Estonian War of Independence, independence of Estonia from the Russian Empire. From 1918 to 1920, we have the Latvian War of Independence, with independence of Latvia secured from Russian Empire. In 1918 to 1920, we have the Lithuanian War of Independence, independence of Lithuania from Russian Empire, Russian FSCR, and Poland. In 1919 to 1921, we have the Irish War of Independence against the United Kingdom. This ends with the Anglo-Irish Treaty and the partition of Ireland. The succession of 26 of Ireland's 32 counties, excluding the Irish Free State, from the United Kingdom. In 1919 and 1923, we have the Turkish War of Independence. Between Turkey and the Ottoman Empire. This is the creation of the Republic of Turkey and the end of the Ottoman Empire. Which had reigned for centuries. In 1920 to 1926, we have the Rif War, the Republic of the Rif versus Spain. With the defeat of the insurgents of the Rif Republic, Spain retains control of Spanish Morocco. 1936 to 1939, the Razoristan Uprising. With the Razoristani people fighting the British Empire for independence with the rebellion violently suppressed. At 1942 to 1947, we have the Second Indian War of Independence. Between India, seeking independence from the United Kingdom. The INA captured parts of Northeast India and Andaman and Nicobar Islands. Later, INA trials triggered Bombay Mutiny and Royal Air Force Mutiny, which resulted in the Indian Independence Act of 1947. At 1944... To 1948, the Jewish insurgency in mandatory Palestine. The Israel seeking independence from the United Kingdom. With independence of Israel granted from the United Kingdom politically. 1945 to 1949, we have the Indonesian National Revolution. With Indonesia seeking independence from the Netherlands. And the independence of Indonesia 
gained through conflict. 1946 to 1954, we have the first Indochina War between South Vietnam and Laos, Cambodia. Oh, sorry, South Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, and France. We have the independence of Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia forming from this war with French defeat. 1947 1949, we have the 1948 Arab Israeli War with Israel seeking independence from the United Kingdom and the Arab League. With the military defeat of the Arabs, Israel retains independence. 1952 to 1960, we have the Kenyan Mau Mau Uprising with Kenya seeking independence from the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom defeats the insurgents and retains control of Kenya. From 1954 to 1962, we have the Algerian War, with Algeria seeking independence from France. The independence of Algeria is secured with defeat of France through a long guerrilla war. 1955 to 1972, the first Sudanese civil war, with southern Sudan seeking independence from Sudan. 1961-1974, the Angolan War of Independence, where Angola seeks independence from Portugal, and the independence of Angola being secured with the defeat of the Portuguese. In 1961-1991, the Eritrean War of Independence, Eritrea and Ethiopia, has fought for 30 years, with Eritrea eventually securing independence from the Federation of Ethiopia. From 1961 to currently ongoing, we have the Papau conflict. Free Papau versus Indonesia as a over 50-year-long ongoing jungle war for the freedom of Papau versus the United States of Indonesia. In 1963 to 1974, Guinea-Bissau War of Independence was fought between Guinea-Bissau and Portugal, with Portugal being defeated by Guinea-Bissau. In 1964 to 1974, the Mozambican War of Independence was fought between Mozambique and Portugal. Independence of Mozambique from Portugal was secured. In 1966 to 1988, Namibian War of Independence from Namibia to South Africa, with South Africa being defeated politically by Namibia and independence being granted. From 1967 to 1970, Nigerian Civil War, the Biafra versus Nigeria, the defeat and destruction of the Republic of Biafra was the republic was the result of that. In 1971, the Bangladesh Liberation War was fought between Bangladesh and Pakistan, and the independence of Bangladesh was established. In 1975, the Kambinda War between Kambinda and Angola began, and it is currently ongoing as of 2023. In 1975 to 1991, Western Sahara War occurred. Western Sahara versus Morocco with the partition of the Western Sahara between Morocco and the Sahari publics. The result of that. In 1976 to 2005, the insurgency in Akka occurred. The Free Akka Movement versus the nation of Indonesia, with special autonomy granted to Akka and the disarmament of the GAM by treaty.
1981-1991, the Somaliland War of Independence occurs. Somali National Movement to Somalia. De facto independence of Somaliland from Somalia is granted after 10 years of war. 1982 to ongoing, the Casamance Conflict. Casamance seeks its independence from Senegal and has existed as a low-level conflict since 2014 ceasefire. In 1983 to 2005, Second Sudanese Civil War occurs. The South Sudanese versus the larger nation of Sudan, with independence of South Sudan being secured, but not before reports of war crimes. The 1988 to 1994 First Nagorno-Karabakh War between the Artsakh and the Azerbaijan, with de, fa- de facto independence of the Republic of Artsakh from Azerbaijan, now Armenia. 1988-1998 Bougainville Civil War Bougainville versus Papua New Guinea Bougainville receives autonomy in 2002 and is voted in favor of independence in 2019 In 1990 versus 1992 Transnistria War occurred with the nations of Transnistria versus Moldova was the de facto independence of Transnistria won from Moldova. In 1991 and 1992, the South Ossetia War occurs, with South Ossetia seeking freedom from Georgia. De facto independence is granted to South Ossetia from Georgia at the end of that war. 1991, the liberation of Kuwait. Kuwait seeking liberation from Iraq. This is part of the Gulf War. So independent allies are acquired, are basically mercenaries are purchased, in this case of NATO, and Iraq is uh, forced into retreat, thus liberating Kuwait. In 1991 and 1995, the Croatian War of Independence occurs between Croatia and Yugoslavia. Independence of Croatia from Yugoslavia. In 1991, the 10-day war occurs between Slovenia and Yugoslavia, with independence of Slovenia from Yugoslavia being declared. In 1992 to 1995, the Bosnian War, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Independence of Bosnia and Herzegovina from SFR Yugoslavia, the new country, is divided between two entities, the Federation of Bosnia and Herzegovina and the Republic of Saporska. In 1992 to 1993, the war in Abkhazia, Abkhazia, Georgia, de facto independence from Abkhazia from Georgia. In 1993 to 1996, the first Chechen War occurs. Chechen War, Republic of Itkira seeks independence from Russia with Chechnya maintaining de facto independence from Russia throughout the 90s. Kosovo War The Republic of Kosovo versus Serbia and Montenegro for independence. De facto independence of Kosovo from the rest of Yugoslavia is the product of that war. In 1999-2009 the second Chechen War occurs between Chechen Republic of Itkira and Russia with defeat of Chechnya it's officially reincorporated into Russia at the end of 2009. In 2012, the Tuareg Rebellion occurs between the Azawad and the Mali. Unrecognized independence of the Azawad tribe from the Mali peoples. Renounced independence in 2013. 2014 ongoing to currently ongoing. The Russo-Ukrainian War. Ukraine and Russia also called a rebirth or a war of independence by Russia for some Ukrainian resources. 
2014-2022. War in Donbass. The Donetsk Republic, People's Republic and the Luhansk People's Republic fought the Ukrainians for independence. Part of the Russia-Ukrainian War. Recognition of independence by Russia on 21st February 2022. Annexed by Russia on September the same year and officially made part of the Russian Federation. 2017 to ongoing, we have the Anglophone crisis between the Ambozonia nation and Cameroon. This is currently ongoing. 2020, we have the Western Togoland rebellion between Western Togoland and Ghana. Currently ongoing. 
That being said, here are some of the um, active secessionist groups within the United States themselves. First, we have Cascadia. First, we have Cascadia, with the proposed state Republic of Cascadia, an advocacy group called the Cascadian Department of the Bioregion. Cascadia Movement is a bioregional independence movement based in the Cascadia bioregion of Western North America. Next, we have the Native American Self-Determination Movements in America. These are social movements, legislation, and beliefs in which Native American tribes in the United States exercise self-governance and decision-making on issues that affect their own people and seek to gain independence and a return to Native lands. We have proposed state and autonomous regions. We have multiple of them. Every state with Native Americans has independence movements within these Native Americans and these reservations. Political parties include the Choctaw Youth Movement, the Lockett the Lakota Freedom Movement, the American Indian Movement, the American Indian Movement of Colorado, International Indian Treaty Council, and the Mohawk Warrior Society, and the Red Power Movement of the 1970s and onward. In the southern United States, A geographic and cultural region of the United States of America, between the Atlantic Ocean and the western United States of the Rocky Mountains, not including the Midwest and Northeastern United States of America, and sometimes excluding the Gulf states. The proposed state of independence would be the Confederate States of America returned, or Southern state United States, or the Dixieland, as it's commonly known which ranges from Virginia and West Virginia all the way to east to Texas and Arkansas or Oklahoma and includes the Gulf Coast of Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, and Florida. The advocacy groups on record for this are the League of the South and other neo-Confederate and non-Confederate Southern Separatist groups. Following them are the Deseret. The state of Deseret was a proposed state of the United States proposed in 1849 by the settlers from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the Salt Lake City area. The provisional state existed for slightly over two years and was never officially recognized by the United States government, although its followers still believe it should be imposed and exist. Ethnic groups that dominate this belief are Mormons, as it would be a Mormon theocracy. Its borders would include most of all of Nevada, Utah, the Mojave Desert, Arizona, bordering on New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, Idaho, and Oregon. 
and the advocacy groups are known as Deseret Nationalists, otherwise known as Desnats. Following them, we have the peoples of Aztland. Aztland, A-Z-T-L-A-N, is an ancestral home of the Aztec peoples. The Azteca is the Nahuatl word for the people of the Aztland. Aztland is mentioned in several ethnos historical sources dating from the colonial period, and while they each cite varying lists of the different tribal groups who participated in the migration, it all basically comes down to Mexican-Americans or Chicano nationalists, right? This is also called the Chicano movement or Chicanoism. Militant Chicanoism. They have a, a proposed state known as Aztland, which is mostly all of the Southwest California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, all the way up to the Canadian border area sometimes. But generally all border states with Mexico. Advocacy includes the Brown Berets. The Atlanticas Brown Berets are like the Black Power Movement or the Black Panther Movement, but for Cholos and Chicanos, the Mecca, Movimento Estudiantil Chicano de Atsland, Chicano Student Movements of Atsland, the Freedom Road Socialist Organization, which calls for self-determination for the Chicano nation of Atsland up to and including the right to succession, and the Raza Unida Party, uh, also known as the United Farm Workers, which were historically separatist groups. You have New Africa. The Republic of New Africa, founded in 1968 as the Republic of New Africa, the RNA. Black nationalist organization and black separatist movement in the United States popularized by black militant groups. The larger New Africa movement in particular has three goals. The creation of an independent black majority country situated in the southeastern United States in the heart of the area of black majority populations. Payment by the federal government of the USA several billion dollars in reparations to African Americans descended by slaves for damages inflicted on Africans and their descendants by chattel enslavement, Jim Crow laws, and modern day forms of racism. And a referendum of all African Americans to determine their desires for citizenship. Movement leaders say their ancestors were not offered a choice in the matter and thus are deserved reparations. This was created at a, a black conference in Detroit, Michigan, but the territories include Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, and South Carolina. The political parties and advocacy groups that push for New Africa are called Pan-Africanists, the Black Radical Congress, the Nauruvian Nation, Huey P. Newton Gun Club, and the Black Lives Matter group. These are factions that try to advise for political control over the concept of New Africa, with political parties officially including the New Black Panther Party, African People's Socialist Party, the Not Fucking Around Coalition, Black Hammer Party, the Revolutionary Black Panther Party, and Black Writers Liberation Party. Up the Atlantic coast, we have New England. That's right, the New England Separatist Group, comprising six states of northeastern United States, Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Vermont. 
The New England Independence Campaign seeks independence based on purely constitutional and constitutional reformist attitudes and libertarian ideals. Seeking to strictly control the resource management and control of all uh, population increases and borders within the New England Territory. Individual states in the United States that run independence movements are Alaska. With the Alaskan Independence Party gaining significant traction with the proposed state of Republic of Alaska or the Republic of West Alaska. Making up ethnic groups of Americans, Russian Americans, Alaskan Creole and Alaskan Natives. Californians currently have an active independence movement with a proposed state of called Second Californian Republic, otherwise known as New California. Its ethnic groups would be called the Californios and include indigenous Californians, as well as Hispanics and peoples of all races and creeds. Advocacy groups are called Yes California and Californians for Independence. And its political parties are officially the California National Party and the California Freedom Coalition. Texas, of course, has the proposed Republic of Texas. Referring to themselves as Tejanos. The advocacy groups being the Texas National Movement, which we read the proposal for a Texas and a Republic of Texas group. Republican Party of Texas actually endorses Research and discussion in this direction. So it's getting more official than most places. With New Hampshire also following with NH Exit, Foundation for the New Hampshire Independence Project, and the Free State Project all having their base of operations in New Hampshire. I just got this to do. So yeah, New Hampshire... And then followed by that is Vermont with the Vermont Republic, the political party, Vermont Independence Party, Green Mountain Anarchist Collective, with the advocacy group being the second Vermont Republic. The Vermont issue uh, being very colorfully known for being the last anarcho-syndicalist movements and an actual grassroots far-leftist movements. Um, taking power in the East Coast, which are very rarely seen in the East Coast, those being primarily Californian or West Coast in terms of popularity. So Vermont being basically the Oregon or the Washington state of the East Coast. And to round it all about, we have Puerto Rico. While not officially a state in the United States, it is officially a territory. And there are dominant independence movements in Puerto Rico especially historically taking militant and violent almost domestic terrorists well yes domestic terrorists in the sense that they machine gunned Congress at one point Puerto Rican nationals um, the proposed independent statehood autonomy and free association the Puerto Rican independence party the PIP and advocacy groups known as Puerto Rican nationalists the movimento independencia Independencia Nacional Hastociano, known as the Men and the Socialist Front for Puerto Rico, 
and with militant organizations being known as the Barocco Popular Army, known as the Macheteros and the Cadets of the Republic of Puerto Rico. So yes, independence movements are alive and well, and this 21st century will see a resurgence. As many as there have been, there will be twice as more new ones emerging in the 21st century. Now with the aided abilities of self-providing and self-sustaining via 3D printing, AI, um, crypto exchange, uh, the ability to internationally network, with encrypted software and devices that can communicate globally via the internet that's provided as a resource and luxury by the nations that they're seeking independence from, the infrastructure of the first world. We're not talking about people who live in islands uh, that haven't, you know, that are using tribal weaponry and stuff. We're talking, and they don't understand modern day politics or internationalism or the economy or anything trying to fight against modern world colonial superpowers, which even then they were successful at doing. We're talking educated, English speaking, American trained, uh, typically American veterans who are politically savvy, who have access to the internet, who can live off grid, who can 3D print. Uh, weaponry as well as the various tools they need to survive maintaining uh, high statuses of living conditions with the pre-established infrastructure like cabins like think about Cascadia if they're going to live and and wage this guerrilla independence movement even if the United States is seeking to gauge war with them they're not fighting a people who have to steal weapons and steal food uh, from from the towns just to survive uh, or, or try to uh, grow their own food during the growing season and avoid the way they're talking about people who are going to have everything from drones to do land surveillance to uh, you know college educations in the United States on chemistry and, and physics we're going to talk about people who are engineers people who are professionals who can have family members in other states that could easily supply them with funding all electronically all through cryptocurrency all through virtual wallets. They could act internationally through groups on Telegram, our TikTok channels, and gain PR, and be able to rival the mainstream media of any United States, you know, federal level through these independence movements and connections they're in. They're going to have to literally be as savvy as the, the people they're seeking independence from, if not even by their very nature more popular and supported by the very unpopular popularity and and um, and and you know basically lack of legitimacy and lack of respectability that the federal government has. They will be the they, the federal government at this point, the twenty first century, will be the British colonials. They will be the British Empire. They'll be the French Empire. They'll be the Portuguese. There will be these unnecessary, antiquated, uh, obsolete oppressors who are treating their system as an empire, as a religious empire, uh, you know, worthy of worship, despite the popular democratic grassroots formation of capable, self-sufficient nation states uh, based on antiquated like archaic borders 
who decided to draw the borders of Texas and, and keep them that way, and then decide to declare that Texas has no ability to change or interfere with its own governance, despite the fact that with those conditions, we still have an economy that's the fifth largest in the world. We still have natural resources, which are more than Saudi Arabia, oil production that's, that's greater than Saudi Arabia and Iran. Yet those nations can declare themselves sovereign to the point that if you would question whether Iran should exist or not, that's like, you know, a real geopolitical question. Yet no one can question whether or not Texas should exist with the, with the absurd answer that's accepted in the mainstream being no. No, it cannot achieve independence. No, it must be sub- submissive to a federal system. And no, the nation can never engage in this debate without it being considered treasonous or, or heresy in that case. And, and this is just fomenting. This is just creating the catalyst, the powder keg, for an ever-increasing like, factor of risk of there being a, a hostile shooting war, a guerrilla war for Texas independence, or just a straight-up Cold War in a sense of uh, Texas in, like, you know, refusing to participate in the state system, plus the reaction and the repression that that would bring on from the United States government. And the, the, the national divorce can be kept amicable. It can be kept on a good, you know, respectable, you know, differences level, a maturity a peaceful resolution that can be achieved through the court system by simply recognizing the future and being on the right side of history. But as I've read off two lists, both of independence movements and a much longer list of independence wars, violence and bloodshed are the, liber- are the manure of the tree of liberty. And that was written by Thomas Jefferson when America declared its independence from the UK and engaged in a bloody war for freedom. And just like they told the United States back then that they could not do that because it was treasonous to the crown and holy monarchy of the British Empire, Texans will say, we need independence and are signing a declaration of one against the United States of America. And if this means war, give us liberty or give us death. Thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Thank you all out there in dreamland. God bless you and your families. Peace out.